welcome to Ion Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 76, otherwise known as season four, episode 19. I think I got those numbers right. Uh, I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davison. How you doing, Jacob? Uh, doing good. Just uh, excited for the Thanksgiving season. Going to be visiting my family soon. Oh, cool. You going back east again? Yep, going back east again. All right. Are you going to visit the archive? Oh, you bet your ass I am. <laughs> of course. That, that was a dumb question. Uh, <laughs> also with us yet again and for uh, always and forever is your other other host, John Korea. How you doing, Korea? Doing good. Uh, but also, we should know that when Jacob says he's going home to visit family, he really means he's going to the Vinegar <laughs> Syndrome headquarters. Well, Vincent is family. <laughs> it is visiting family. It's, it's all about chosen family. <laughs> Vinegar syndrome very much so is a chosen family. <laughs> so uh, what's what's been going on for you guys? You guys see anything good? Uh, yes. Um, so uh, in my house, we're huge Mike Flanagan fans, of course, of course. And uh, Lindsay, uh, my uh, beautiful partner, uh, pointed out that uh, Kate Seagal does movies that aren't directed by Mike Flanagan the other what? day. What? Yeah. You mean you mean she's she's not a Sherry Moon zombie? You know, I made that comparison. I was like, <laughs> she's definitely not a Mary Sh- uh, Ma- Sh- Sherry Moon. There we go. Brain farts. Why are we recording so early? Um, yeah. Because I have to work in 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Kate Seagal, uh, she, she is, she, she does more than uh, Mike Flanagan movies. Uh, she was actually in a uh, Netflix movie recently called Hypnotic, um, where it's, uh, it stars her, uh, Jason O'Mara, um, who does a lot of voice acting for the DC animated movies. Um, it was directed by Matt Angel and uh, Suzanne Koo. And you know what? It was a solid little uh, little, little, little piece. It was about um, she's someone who um, is going through depression in a, in a rough time. So her friend recommends her to a uh, therapist who does hypnotherapy. And it kind of turns it a lot of the sh- a lot of the movie. I will admit, I kept comparing it to the TV show Hannibal because there's a lot of like screwy stuff happening with the hypnotherapy and all that stuff. Uh, of course, Kate Segal gives a great performance, very haunting at times. Um, but there were like parts. There was like some weird pacing issues I had with it. But it was it was fine. If you're looking for like a kind of uh, uh, B level type of Hannibal Lecter. Uh, you could definitely have a lot of fun with this one. I think Jason O'Mara had a lot of fun just kind of like hamming it up, being like, oh, I have control over you now. Swat thing. And he would say something and they would freeze, you know? Uh, they would, yeah, but it, it was, it was, if you're looking, if you're bored and on Netflix, it's fine. Have either of you guys seen the beta test? Oh, yeah. Actually, I just saw that last week. What did you think? Yeah, it took me a little bit of uh, time to think it over, but I, I thought it was very interesting. And it, um, yeah, it's just it's, it's very hard to describe because uh, the way I was kind of uh, log lying it to friends is that it was kind of like uh, swimming with sharks meets. Um, oh, shoot. I'm blocking the name uh, the Tom Cruise, St- Stanley Kubrick movie. Oh, Ice White Shut. Eyes wide shut. So yeah, eyes wide shut. That's a better log line than me. I was saying it was American Psycho meets the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, just such a weird psychological thriller. It hits all these beats, but also that it's, you know, a talent agency movie. 
Yeah. I, I, I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, I, I, it's a well-made movie. I just, I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a comedy. Like, Oh yeah, no, it was definitely meant to be funny. I, I compare it to American Psycho because the it, it, the the director writer director also plays the lead role. Yeah, Jim he, Cummings. Like, yeah, like you say, it's this it's this, he's a talent agent, and he gets a uh, an invitation to a no strings anonymous sexual encounter, and he's got this fiance who I think is the best role in the movie. She's um, Virginia Newcomb, who is also uh, the wife in The Death of Dick Long. So this poor woman. Needs better relationship choices <laughs> in movies, um, but uh, he's given off Patrick Bateman vibes through the whole thing. He's like, basically, the movie is watching him go crazy. But he's trying to figure out because clearly this anonymous sexual encounter is preying on his mind, and and he's going through like he's tracking down like the envelope manufacturer and the messenger. Like he's trying to find out who's behind this thing, kind of like Michael Douglas in the game. Um, but I couldn't tell. I mean, with American Psycho, you know, it's a satire. This one, it's like you I I couldn't. It's It's got a weird tone to it. I definitely feel that. But it it definitely uh, was aiming to be a dark comedy to at least an extent. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely a heart, uh, an outlier of a movie. But I, yeah, I think I think it was pretty interesting and it was definitely entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining, and and it's the it, it's a good length too. It doesn't overstay itself. But wait, it was a Jim Cummings movie, like the guy who did uh, uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, right? Yeah. And and Jim Cummings is in it, but he's not playing a cop. Because yeah. <laughs> no. I I I've thought at this point he wouldn't do any roles unless he played a cop. Because he at least in two of his movies he's played a cop, and then he was a cop in Halloween Kills. Yeah, and. So really, not a cop in this one. Okay. <laughs> he kind of becomes a detective, though, and he tells Uh-oh, people he's a cop. He, fa- he fakes being a cop. There it is. And, okay. and, an, FBI, and an FBI agent. And yeah, a he detective. tells people he's a cop and a fed to get what he wants. So, yeah. Yeah. He, well, yeah. Well, he repeatedly tells people he's like all these fake professions in order to try and get ahead on his uh, weird obsession. Got you. So, so yeah, there's still an element of him playing a cop in some in some manner. Yes, and I mean, it is kind of a detective mystery story, I guess. He's playing, playing a cop. <laughs> playing, playing. He's a, he's a man playing a cop, playing a man who's trying to be a cop, who wants to be a cop, but really he's a cop. Uh, I, I lost you, but I think you're right. Uh- <laughs> I don't know. I got mucus brain. Okay. Um... As for me, uh, I went to the uh, Severin uh, Shock Super Pop Up uh, the other day. You know the uh, mystery screenings they do to premiere their Black Friday titles, and, and oh man, they got some crazy shit. I saw the Bloody Pit of Horror is one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is a crazy movie. Oh man, it is bananas because it, it's like this '60s or sorry, seven, I think uh, I think it's '60s. Yeah, um, yeah, six. Yeah, it's a '60s Italian kind of torture, murder, like a Marquis de Sade kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's just really funny though because the killer, who's called the Crimson Executioner, is this big buff dude played by a professional wrestler who oils himself up and like tortures people. I was gonna say he looks like a professional wrestler. He's legit a wrestler. Uh, yeah, I believe he was played by a professional wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like one. 
Yeah, no, it, it, it is also kind of weirdly meta because the victims are this like uh, film crew making a horror movie or doing like kind of a horror themed photo shoot. And then they get, start getting picked off one by one with medieval torture devices and stuff. So it's, and also there's this ridiculous scene where this woman is tied to a giant metal uh, spider web with a mechanical uh, spider with like claws and stuff is like... Uh, attacking her it's just it is just a wild uh movie and let's see um okay and the other two movies were pretty ridiculous or, well were pretty wild too uh because the uh, uh let's see the second movie because it was three movies and the rest of the movies were revealed through uh trailers so the other two movies they screened were this uh, Indonesian psychological thriller uh, from the guy that did uh, like Impedigore and Queen of Black Magic, Joko Anwar. It's like about a um, sculptor who's having marital issues and then he starts uh, getting paranoid that his friends and family are kind of plotting against him and he gets these weird messages that somebody needs his help. And it is it's almost two hours long so it was a bit of a drag at times but it 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 did have a hell of a payoff so it was kind of interesting to see that one unfold and then of course the big one uh like the one that like really blew up the audience uh was night of the demon are you guys familiar yeah night of the demon singular right yeah although not not the uh classic uh uh, turner or val luden uh produced one uh this is the grungy 1980 exploitation super gory video nasty bigfoot movie oh okay no that that one i'm not familiar with yeah i I kept getting confused with that because I was like, Night of the Demon, that already got a release in like, <laughs> Bigfoot. So, yeah, it's weird. They have the same title, but yeah, it's some, but they went into the production history because it was one of those things where it was uh, originally trying to cash in on the kind of you know, Bigfoot craze of the 70s. And then, you know, it's 1980 and slashes are big. So the producers are like, okay, we got to add like a bunch more scenes of uh, Bigfoot going around and killing people horribly. And there's these ridiculous kill sequences, but mostly just out of context because it's like flashbacks are like unrelated shit. Just Bigfoot like like rips a dude's arm off and uh, Bigfoot kills a dude with his own axe. And uh, at Bigfoot also apparently was the first person to, uh, you know, like take somebody in a sleeping bag and impale them on a tree branch. So he beat Jason in that one. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. So it's just this crazy ass Bigfoot movie. Wasn't there a sleeping bag kill in prophecy? Uh, there was, although that in that case, the bear just like swung and obliterated that person in one, in one go with its claw. Is, was that before or after night of the demon? Um, actually probably might've been around the same time. Okay. Pro- prophecy, I think was 79, maybe. Yeah. So this would, yeah. so this would have been about the same time. Cause uh, night of the demon was shot around 78, 79. It wasn't released until 1980. It's one of those things, but uh, I wonder who worked on both movies and spilled it. You know what they did? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, so yeah, and it's like about this professor and his and his students like going to the woods to track down Bigfoot, and there's a Bigfoot cult, and there's a woman who was a s- sexually assaulted by Bigfoot, and yeah, it's it's just. A crazy ass Bigfoot movie, and yeah, it was a notorious video nasty. It was banned in several countries. I feel like this movie was made for me and Korea because 
it's got Bigfoot and it's got a cult. And it's a video nasty. So it's just ticking all the boxes. Yeah. So, yeah if it makes my, Maggie Thatcher mad. Oh, dude, anything that makes. Real quick, I refuse to watch The Crown because I don't want Jillian, you know, Anderson associated with Margaret Thatcher at all. I don't want that ruined. Yeah, that gives me very confused feelings. That get that. No. Not happening. I don't care how good the performance is. Anyways, back to uh, murder uh, Bigfoot cults. <laughs> Bigfoot murder cults. Yeah, and also on top of that, uh, they're releasing a bunch of merch with uh, Night of the Demon, including like a Night of the Demon mask, a uh, Bigfoot uh, statuette from the most infamous scene in the movie where Bigfoot rips a dude's dick off. Nice. <laughs> this, wait. The statue is of him ripping a dude's dick off. Well, got, holding it, yeah. He's got oh. a dick in hand. <laughs> yes, and uh, and I and I actually won a pretty cool prize from the raffle. Uh, they did they did a novelization of Night of the Demon, uh, like what they did with Cruel Jaws. So I, so yeah, it's the book the book version of an, the Notorious Video Nasty. Have you ever gone to something like this and not won something? No, I, 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 well, it's like my grandfather always said, never leave anywhere empty handed. <laughs> I almost uh, I almost went to that, but uh, there's been a cult going around, unfortunately. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to say, I think I think all three of us are sick. We're I'm, I'm going to hopefully I can edit it all out of the final. But um, yeah. we're all sniffling and coughing and sneezing. So if you hear sniffling, coughing and sneezing, um we it's because it was too hard to edit out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I'm not, I'm not sick. I'm just, uh, I think it's just allergies. And also, I'm getting, I think I'm still kind of getting over my COVID vaccine booster. Oh, those are both rough. Um, I actually took the opportunity to give two recent uh, kind of, well, not super recent, one of them. Two movies that I, uh, that I was like, you know what? I think those movies deserve a second chance. Uh, one of which was kind, not really horror, but Michael Mann's Black Hat with Chris Hemsworth as like a hacker trying to stop a hacking terrorist. Basically, this movie is what if hackers was like a legitimately good thriller. And it's it's honestly like really good. Uh I was I was really digging up on how that movie they did a good job of building the tension of hackers just doing social um hacks, you know, where you just kind of like ask the right questions and like not really having to do the whole code thing. It was it was very interesting, very worth going back and rewatching with twenty twenty one eyes. Um, but I did also, uh, I think I think in all honesty, I think it was the first time I ever watched Van Helsing uh, with oh. Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Listen, I I got that one. I was ready to be like, yo, maybe everyone was wrong about this one. And those those opening scene that was in black and white happened. I was like, man. I think everyone was wrong about this movie. This is pretty dope. This is a lot of fun. I kind of dig where they're going with this. And then, like, the rest of the movie just, like, did everything it could to just, like, undo all that goodwill it built up with me (laughs) in the first, like, ten minutes. Like, the dialogue. Oh, the ending. Oh. Hugh Jackman chews every stick of scenery in that movie. He is just a total ham. Everybody does. The The funny thing is, is at its core, that did not feel like Van Helsing at all. Like Van Helsing was always this like was an academic who had to become a badass because his academic studies led him to the world of Dracula and others. Right. Yeah. And so first and foremost, he was always a nerd. This guy wasn't a nerd. He was. He and, and I was also very confused on how everyone was confused 
about <laughs> Dracula. Like there seemed to be a whole thing in the beginning where it's like, and there's this guy, and he's and he's you know, uh, torturing and terrorizing Romania right now. And they're like, oh, my God, who is this? I don't know. We think his name is Dracula or something. <laughs> and like, so it's like, so wait, no one knows who the fuck Dracula is? He's been around for 400 years in this story. And then like they get there and they're like, oh, yeah, no, Dracula can't be killed because of blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait, so you did know about Dracula? Did you not know about Dracula? Or do you do know about Dracula? I don't understand what the fuck is happening. Don't even get me started about Van Helsing's stupid werewolf superpowers. You know what? I get it. I get why people are angry at this movie like it, it's got me fired up yeah i saw it at high in high school and even then i was like wow this is just over overdone it seemed like everything in that movie was was like like a lot of the decisions were made so that they could so that uh video game developers could have material for their levels you know <laughs> everything from like the little weird minion things that they never discuss really they're just like oh yeah those are dracula's minions well what are they so over here we have werewolves. Like they just kept avoiding like explaining what that was or his babies. Um, I did think they did some really cool stuff with Frankenstein's monster. I really enjoyed yeah. uh, a lot of the stuff with that about how a they let him talk, which was which is very rare in adaptations. Even though in the original book, Modern Prometheus, he just fucking rants. Like yeah, he talks almost too much, too much in that. Too much. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a talker in the, he's in the a original novel. guy. He, it, that Adam which is Frankenstein's monster in the original book goes on more monologues in that original book than a fucking Mike Flanagan miniseries. Okay? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, dude, th there was so much potential. There was so much, like, I feel like if they actually like approached Van, H like, I, I like the idea of like having, you know, following his advent. Like, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to kick off like a universe or to kick off a franchise surrounding Van Helsing. I just think the approach was wrong. They were trying to kind He's of trying to be make, too much Wolverine. I think they were trying to be too much Batman, really, with it. Um, mm. When really, I think uh, Van Helsing needs to be more of an Indiana Jones type like um, character. Yeah, or Captain you, Kronos Vampire Hunter. Exactly, and I think it. Um, and I don't think they had too many monsters in it. I don't know what the fuck was the point of uh, Mister Hyde uh, in the beginning. That was a. That was just a really weird choicing. Just trying to cram as many universal guys in as possible. Was the Invisible Man in it? No. Yeah. You just didn't was see he? him. <laughs> He's just in the he was there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's kind of funny because this was kind of their first attempt at a dark universe type of thing. And then they did right. the other dark universe thing several years ago and that didn't work out. And then, then, yeah, then, uh, the, then we had the Invisible Man a couple years ago, and now they're going for like the legit scary Universal monster reboots. Like they got that Wolfman movie coming and the Dracula movie coming. I'm just bummed we're not going to get a Russell Crowe Doctor Jekyll movie because, <laughs> you know, it, th thanks to the Tom Cruise mummy that tanked, we'll never get to see Russell Crowe's Doctor Jekyll again. Yeah, but we have Noah, and that's like the best watching him flip flop emotionally and all that. You know, one second going from. Going from loving father to trying to murder his like pregnant daughter-in-law or whatever—that was. Does no one remember Noah and Russell Crowe trying um, to murder a baby? Like, to be honest, I, I missed that one. I'm, is I'm that keep... is that Noah and Noah's Ark? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Okay. Remember? Uh, no, I Noah thought that was Ridley Scott. Was Ridley did Ridley Scott do something similar to that? He did Exodus, Gods and Ex Monsters. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, yeah, these these biblical the guys. They, Noah is the better movie, mostly because it's just it's Russell Crowe on a boat, just like yelling a lot and murdering try, babies. 
He he tries. He <laughs> makes a valiant attempt. Like I remember seeing that in theaters and go, "Holy shit!" I came here to watch like a biblical epic because sometimes you know stories in the Bible can be epic and they're fun. But not like, to spoil Mother, but what's up with Aronofsky and babies? Does he just not like them? <laughs> the whole thing. I think he went through a period. I think he was going. I think he was trying to process some stuff about like not wanting another kid or, or just like <laughs> being over it. But like, yeah, the ferocity of, uh, the ferociousness in which Russell Crowe approached that baby and Noah was, uh, yeah, it, it was it was jarring. Uh, again, Noah's great. People go see that movie. It's 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 basically the story of Noah's arc, but like through the lens of like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm going to say told by Aronofsky, who yeah. this is the guy who brought you Requiem for a Dream. So <laughs> you know so, what kind of movie you're getting and Black Swan. <laughs> so Russell Crowe trying to murder a baby isn't that far fetched, right? Speaking of uh, of boats, <laughs> I'm segueing from Noah. Um, have either of you guys watched Great White? Uh, yeah, I did. The Great White. Great way. It, it, it's the new it's the new shark movie on Shudder. Yeah, honestly, didn't really care for it. You know, I it's funny because the first two thirds I really like, you know, because it's it's about this um, pontoon plane expedition that gets terrorized by a shark. And the first two thirds of it, I thought was really just a fun little B movie. But the shark is terrible. The shark is yeah. like some sci fi network CG. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It's like shark to puss shark, you know, what, what what was the the hurricane one? I'm totally blank. Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, it was like some some shark to push Sharknado style CG, which is pretty bad. And then the last act, uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it, but okay. So this a character drowns, and another one swims down to them, breathes into their mouth, and brings them back to life. Bullshit. First of all, even if that could happen with oxygen, you're breathing carbon dioxide into this other person. Oh, my God. OK, so anyway, I just spoiled a, a, a cliffhanger in Great White, but I don't think anybody's going to care. See, and uh, as for me, I've uh, been going to the Alamo a lot because I've been doing a bunch of Godzilla screenings. It was Godzilla Day. Do you like Godzilla? What do you like Godzilla, Jacob? <laughs> I do. I do. I do love Godzilla. <laughs> Yeah, no, because uh, I've only gone to a couple of the screenings, but I was able to see the original 1954 Godzilla, which has a new 4K restoration. And one of my personal favorites from uh, the franchise, Godzilla versus Adora, a.k.a. Godzilla versus the Spog Monster, which was a yeah. huge source of kinder trauma for me because Adora scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Adora is 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 genuinely creepy. And yeah. And it is a really great cut. Did you watch the uh, short that they recently put out of Godzilla versus Hedorah? Yeah, yeah, the updated one with the costume. Because, because yeah, yeah, because they had Godzilla Final Wars and Godzilla fought Hedorah, but it was only for like a minute. So they wanted like an actual fight. So they did a recreation with Godzilla versus Dora in like a full blown battle. Yeah, that came out really good. That was tight. Yeah. It was like ten minutes long, but real solid. I dug it. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, nice to see those theatrically and again you know it's just such a whiplash uh you know kind of looking at the franchise because you got godzilla in the original 1954 version who's terrifying and he's the embodiment of nuclear uh 
uh, uh, explosions and weaponry. And then you got the later movies where Godzilla fights other monsters and stuff, and it's cool. Well, it's kind of like um, how you and I went to that uh, marathon of like four or five titles where we started off with Gojira, and then I think it ended on um, Godzilla versus Megalon, the one with Jet Jaguar. Oh, yeah, yeah. But in, be- in like a movie or two after Gojira, it was Godzilla's Revenge, the one where it's the kid imagining... Manila, the Manila. baby Godzilla. Oh, God. And, like, they put that, like, cartoon. Oh, hey there, buddy. What's wrong with you? Why is your face so long? Let me tell you the story about about Monster Island. <laughs> yeah, that was weird that they did the Davy and Goliath voices. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it was. It was. Uh, but, yeah, what a stark difference going from Gojira, which is a gorgeous movie with, like, really great like it's like people always complain that the humans aren't don't have good stories in godzilla movies especially with the monsterverse ones go back to the original gojira there's a great plot about arranged marriage and sarazawa juggling with uh the ethics of his of his weapon yeah and the beautiful uh laid out and and developed love triangle and stuff like there's some like really great stuff in there and then uh, just a, and then a few years later, you get to Godzilla's Revenge with the, oh, is that bully hurting you? Oh, let me. And then they just like reuse clips from like destroy all monsters and stuff of Godzilla <laughs> teaching Manila how to do smoke rings. It's, uh, it's a little frustrating, but I get it. Yeah, it's why they had to give it such a like bombastic title because it's Godzilla's Revenge and attack uh, all monsters attack. And and you think, oh, man, that sounds cool. But it isn't. Yeah. And speaking of J-horror, I also watched this interesting uh, Japanese horror movie. I've been uh, it's been on my watch list forever that but it finally got a digital release. It's called uh, Ghostmaster. It is is crazy. It's like uh, this small Japanese film crew making like a Japanese rom-com. And the assistant director wants to be a great horror director like Toby Hooper. And there's a conflict and the script he wrote comes to life, possesses the lead actor and the lead actor starts killing everybody. Evil Dead style. Oh, OK. Yeah. Wait. They, they But they were trying to make a romantic comedy. Yeah, they were trying to make a romantic comedy. But the assistant director wanted to be a horror director. And he he's just uh, brown. He's just browbeat and abused by like the director and the producer. And he and like it like uh, this weird stuff happens like it, it like they get the blood gets on the script and the script comes to life and possesses the lead actor and he becomes like a deadite and he starts killing everybody in these ridiculous over the top ways fuck yeah what where can i find this movie uh it's available to rent on like voodoo youtube all kinds of stuff and and it's called what master Ghost Master. Ghost Master. Okay, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, and it has a lot of references to Western horror and outright references to uh, uh, particularly Toby Hooper. Like, the director was definitely a huge fan of Toby Hooper. Like, Life Force is, in fact, a plot point of the movie. Um, so it's kind of uh, like One Cut of the Dead meets Evil Dead. Hmm. One Cut of the Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, there's not one cut, but, you know, the same kind of uh uh, vibes vibes yeah Yeah. it was a lot of fun and it had some pretty uh wacky kills especially because like the it like again like just the whole rom-com 
stuff uh, kind of bleeds into it mixed with the gory kills. So it it's pretty it's pretty wild. I finally caught up with a movie that Jacob has been raving about. I saw Censor. Yes. And it uh it it pretty much lived up to the hype. It it's a it's it's a crazy it's it's hard to describe. I mean it, it's it's basically about a woman who does ratings for the British Film Board in the eighties. So yeah, in the eight yeah it, yeah it's a fantastically retro movie. Um, but a, a movie comes across her desk that she that just. I don't really want to spoil too much about it, but it, she basically needs to investigate this movie and she does. And um, of course it's a horror movie, so it doesn't go well. It's a, it's a, it's just a crazy movie. It's, it's not really what I expected it to be. It's one of those movies that like the whole time I'm like, where's this going? I mean, is this really going to go there? And where it ends up is definitely worth the price of admission. It's, it's a, I don't know if I'm as in love with it as Jacob is. Is it still your number one of the year? Uh, not sure about number one, but it's definitely my top three. Okay. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's probably in my top 10. I don't know about top three because, you know. All right. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. We got to start making those lists soon, don't I we? Know. It's already, it, we do. Wait. It's I was been about November. Say, I was about to say it's already November. It's already mid November. This yeah. episode's coming out like days before Thanksgiving. Guys, what is time? What, it, what are we, what are we doing? Time is a flat circle. Time is a construct invented by man and the planets. Actually, before we start recording this, James and I got into a good thing about time, um, which might actually segue to our next topic. All right. Let's, uh, well, you know what? Concept of time. Today's topic is, to quote Korea, dysfunctional demented dinners. And I'm actually going to let him introduce it because I'm not entirely sure I understand the assignment. So we're winging it today. So uh, t- take it, Korea. I was trying to go for like a Guy Fieri's, uh, you know, dinner, diners, dives, drive-ins and dives. There's three D's in there, so it kind of works, um, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what? Today Today is Monday, but it's a, it's a week prior. But the episode comes out next week, which is Thanksgiving week. And typically on Thanksgiving, people have dinner with their families. So I thought, well, let's talk about dinner with the family, but with the family we actually care about, i.e. horror movies. So yeah, uh, just basically wanted to kind of go over some of our favorite dinner scenes, some iconic ones, some really gross ones. What are some that you want to attend? What are most that you want to avoid the ever-living fuck out of? (laughs) And what is the most uncomfortable dinner scene, horror or not, that you have ever seen? Um, I wanted to start off this discussion mainly to point out Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, the classic. The gold standard. One and two have two of the best dinner scenes ever and they are so different the original it's so it's so minimal there's like a a few goofy shit hanging around the you know the table but it's creepy they have the grandfather like suck suck the blood out of the girl's finger it's like such an uncomfortable scene and it goes on forever or at least it feels like it and the stark difference between that and texas chainsaw massacre too where it's down in this like almost like as underground it's an underground it's kind of like if Hanna-Barbera actually had a budget with their villain layers <laughs> and it's just like over the top and goofy um and like there, there's there's so much more color and all that and it's just great because 
You know, I, I always hope that if I have someone interrupt my family dinner, that it's Dennis Hopper just with a chainsaw going fucking nuts, you know? Um, but, you know, I don't have family dinner, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, just a stark difference between the two scenes. One is, like, totally played for just bone-chilling, creeping awkwardness, and the other one gets there. It definitely gets there, but it's way more over-the-top and cartoony. I, I, I love that because... Um, those are that's the big complaint everyone always has with Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like, why would you go for a comedy with that? It's like, how could you follow up Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the same thing? You have to go more extreme with everything, and I think Hooper did that perfectly with TCM too. That's kind of the difference between Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Anyway, is the second one is much more cartoony and over the top. Anyway, the first one is almost like a documentary at times. It's so gritty. And did they shoot it on eight or 16? They, I believe they, I know they shot it on tail ends. So, uh, and I think it was 16. Um, I, I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I know it's one of those films kind of like the evil dead where they shot it on tail ends. So the unused strips from other productions, which gives it like a more gritty feel and look to it anyways because it's film that's already gone through canisters has been cut and might be a little bit exposed it's already kind of fucked up so um yeah they definitely had that like dark or not even dark it's a very bright movie it's just grainy it's just dirty gritty. Grainy. Yeah. yeah it's it's a, it reminds you of those old war films that you'd see you know coming back from vietnam kind of a thing you know where handheld camera you know, you can see the grain on the footage. Yeah. But the the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so much more polished. Oh, yeah. It's it's grander scheme. And, of course, it's a comedy, dude. It opens up with um, with Leatherface hanging off of a truck with, like, a body in front of him. And he's using it like a puppet as he swipes his over-the-top giant chainsaw that is so not phallic. It's not phallic at all. Chainsaws are not phallic in TCM too. Oh, and set to Oingo Boingo's No, <laughs> no One Lives, lives Forever. forever. Yep. <laughs> Which is just such a great scene of him just like that over the top chainsaw just killing 80s yuppies set to Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, those, those are some dinner parties I would not want to be a part of. Well, Depends on what side of the table you're on, right? <laughs> if you're one of the Sawyers, maybe. If you're a guest of the Sawyers, no. True. Also, uh, also just a uh, quick aside, like, uh, it's never pointed out, but in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, I think Grandpa is like a vampire or something. Yeah, I never got, like, I he I, the sucking of the blood, yeah, I get, but like, that was one of those things where, because I've heard that theory of like, is he a vampire, is he not? And it's just like, I why? Why would you make him a vampire? I don't know. He's some kind of ghoul. I, a ghoul I could I, I could accept, I guess. I don't know. I just watched Monster Club, so I'm all like, is, was he a Chadmuck? <laughs> Not a Chadmuck, no. Who knows? The, the movie that Korea and I were talking about time being at a construct for, which has actually what brought it up is he says it's a dinner scene. I say it's a breakfast scene, but mm. alien. Oh. And I will tell you, the reason I think it's a breakfast scene is because they just woke up from their hyperspace nap. They're breaking their fast. And here's the reason why I say it doesn't matter because time <laughs> is is a construct. We Our perception of time is due to rotations around the sun. Guess what? They're in deep space. There is no rotation of sun out there. Thus, time <laughs> is irrelevant. Also, you can eat breakfast foods whenever. You can eat dinner foods whenever. I will fight anyone who says I can't eat spaghetti <laughs> at, at six in the morning. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Korea on this one. <laughs> but also, I just find it funny that uh, that scene is always referred to as the chestburster scene, and it's never the the dinner scene or the breakfast scene, you know, because that's that's most of the scene is them sitting there eating. Actually, you know what? I agree with Korea now, too, now that I'm thinking about it, because this happened after Kane woke up from being at the, but they didn't just wake up from their I'm thinking of a, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah they I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking of a different meal scene where where Parker's like, oh, got to finish my coffee first. It's the only good thing on the ship. You know, so, yeah, OK, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting my meal scenes and alien mixed up. So you're right. That probably is a dinner scene, even though Kane just woke up. It's his breakfast. We don't have to stick just at dinner. We can talk about creepy breakfast scenes, too. I'm sure there's a few there. Or yeah. like, oh, yeah, like in uh, uh, Freddy's Revenge, where the cereal box explodes. <laughs> the, the thing about Alien, about the chestburster scene is at the time it was so shocking. I mean, that's the movie. And still to this day, that's the scene in the movie people talk about. Oh, yeah. When you think of Alien, you know, you think of the chestburster. And oh, it's yeah. so much so that they, they parody it in Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually got... Um, John Hurt. Yeah, they actually got John Hurt to re- uh, to <laughs> revise uh, to do that. Oh no, not again! Not again! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's so great, and and they even made a whole documentary about it. Uh, Memory Origins of of uh, Alien was half that documentary is just dissecting that scene, uh, <laughs> which is utterly fantastic. They didn't tell the actors how much blood was going to be there. So with Veronica Cartwright. When she gets splattered with blood, her reaction's real. And if you look at her, she's it's like this shock scream. She was pretty she was she was really grossed out. Understandably so. Yeah. Uh, as for me, th- uh, when it comes to uh, dinner scenes, uh, the first one that came to mind was uh, Dracula uh, from Dracula. I guess a, a di- couple different versions. But the one that I, I was thinking of was uh, from Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula with him and Jonathan Harker. Because uh, remember, like he's got him over and he's like uh, treating him, uh, which also ties uh, actually, oddly enough to another movie, uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Because uh, one of the most memorable things about that is like they, you know, the scene where they're sitting with Max Shrek, the guy who plays Nosferatu in the movie. And in this context, he's an actual vampire. And they ask him what he thought of the book, Dracula. And he said it made him sad because in the context of Dracula, Dracula serves Harker himself because even though he's a count and a lord, he doesn't have any servants. He doesn't have any family. He's by himself. He's alone. And he has to uh, treat treat this man because he's got nobody else so it's like he may be the vampire lord of darkness but he's all by him by his lonesome so he has to like uh feed and take care of this guy uh, you know like uh treat this guy as his guest um so i just thought that was kind of an interesting perspective plus it gave us the line you know i do not drink wine (laughs) you can't find good help in transylvania that's just that's just fact labor shortage yeah, I mean, they, the villagers all shun him. Dracula's just in his castle going, sorry, I can't serve you as quickly. We're we're experiencing a labor shortage because no one wants to work right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nobody <laughs> wants to work for me. Maybe if he paid them a living wage. Maybe if you didn't eat them. <laughs> It's a, no, but oh god, that's a beautiful comparison. Just, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to work these days. Everyone's too lazy. No, Dracula, you keep eating people. <laughs> so someone's got to meme that. Oh god. Um, I have a question for you guys. What holiday are they celebrating in the dinner? And you're next. 
Um, yeah, that, I think I just assume it's either kind of like a Thanksgiving thing or if it's just, it seems like just kind of a general family reunion type situation. I, I think it might be an anniversary, maybe the parents anniversary, because all the oh, kids right, are coming right. home for it. But yeah, but it's but it has kind of a Thanksgiving vibe, you know, yeah. they all bring their girlfriends and wives and whoever. And, and they're spending the weekend there. But that's definitely a dinner I don't want to be at. Ty West learned that the hard way. Did they purposely keep that like uh, as vague as possible? Because I know there's like sometimes like that's a choice, like kind of like how it follows um, the the girl who's always on her phone. It's like a shell phone. And they did (laughs) that to try to not date the movie. But instead, it became like the most distracting prop ever. Yeah, it's like a weird alternate universe. Yeah, it follows. They purposely made it so that you couldn't figure out when it is because the cars are like all over the place. I mean, some of them are like super modern Priuses and then you've got your classic darts, you know. Um, I think they purposely made it with It Follows um, where you couldn't date the movie. I mean, all of the fashions and hairstyles are real generic. You barely ever see adults. It's all the kids. So I think they, they purposely made it ambiguous as to they made it timeless. Yeah. And they may have done the same thing with you or next. They may have said, you know, if we don't name the holiday, people will watch this at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, at Easter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's all about the family and the three and the three home invaders. (laughs) Speaking of uh, family, um, one of the the dinner scene that I have the hardest time watching because there, there's some dinner scenes where it's, you know, it's gross, but it looks appetizing. Like, you know, every dinner scene in the TV show, Hannibal, you know, it's people, but the food <laughs> just looks so good and they shoot yeah. it. So it's so delicious yeah. on the opposite spectrum side of the spectrum was Peter Jackson's dead alive where oh. they have that one dinner scene with the priest and <clears throat> the main characters trying to, Make it so that it doesn't. No one knows that his mother is the undead. And oh, it, and just just an aside that it's not a priest. It's like the representatives from the uh, Good Homes Organization, New Zealand. You know, it's like one of those things. Like that's uh, what it was. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Like uh, are like from uh, like Hot Fuzz. You know, like the best looking town type of thing. It's just one of those right. things. But yeah, like it's like about home decency or some something weird like that. And yeah, and the, and the old lady's falling apart literally in front of them. Oh yeah, and then she squeezes the like rat bite in her in her uh, arm and just squirts pus across the the table into their soup, and the woman eats uh, it. Custard. Custard, there we go. Um, oh yeah, oh man, it's queasy. Just making me think about it. That was the first movie to make me gag. Like that, that legitimately made me almost puke. Um, and I, I applaud Jackson for that because, especially when I first saw it, I had a very iron stomach. Um, but yeah, that that's one of the. That is definitely a dinner I do not want to attend. That was nasty. Uh, oh yeah, and, and I do like custard, so I don't know. <laughs> but now I can't trust custard. Yeah, just especially around old ladies. And conversely, you go back to his earlier work, there's also Bad Taste, where humans are going to be the dinner to uh, the aliens. And they've got that what they've got that one dude, like the salesman, like uh, tied up with an apple in his mouth like a roast pig. True that. True that. A lot of the early uh, Peter Jackson movies had a lot to do with food and people and people as food. His his first three were very uh, like about 
excess, you know, whether yeah. it was food or sex, you know, with Meet the Feebles, it was a lot of all that and mm-hmm. it's, and ties to violence, um, which were all very done very over the top. Like <laughs> he was oh, yeah. he was only like a stone throw, uh, a stone skip away from like trauma level of audacity, <laughs> yes. you know. Oh, oh, no doubt. No doubt. Gotta love the early 90s New Zealand splatter films. <laughs> yes. Um, on on the other spectrum, just in terms of uh, the most awkward uh, dinner uh, scene, like the for, the one that comes to mind for me would have to be, of course, Hereditary. You know, the whole I am your mother uh, dinner scene. Ooh. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. We've been discussing a lot of ones that have a lot of like crazy supernatural or serial killer stuff. Just plain old awkward family dinners like Hereditary or Chosen Family with the invitation. Oh, oh my, yeah. yeah. That was one of the most awkward. Like even before they got into like the the weird culty, I don't know what I'm still thinking trying to figure piece together like what was going on. Um it was just awkward with everyone just kind of like side eyeing and like side, you know, mouthing each other and stuff like, oh, that was uncomfortable. But the wine looked delicious. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it, as far as um, watching and noticing little things, um, the any of the meals in Midsommar, you know, bringing up another Ari Aster, um, you notice like when 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 uh, Christian is eating, you know, and he finds hair in his food and then you notice his drink is a little more red than the others. Yeah. And if you're paying attention to like the tapestries and what's going, you, you know, what's going on with him. Yep. And, and, it, and sometimes it takes a second watch to realize that, but you're like, okay, Dang. this is the, that's a good detail. <laughs> there, there's another thing from that, from that girl. That's, that's in his drink that yeah. is not kosher. Um, oh, but the meals in that movie, they look so delicious. Oh, those meat the pies? Portions, yeah. yeah. The Tiny. portions, which just like, come on, if you're going to be tripping balls all day, you need to have a little <laughs> bit more than a tiny meat pie. You yeah, I mean, have, the shrooms. Where's the vegetables? Where's the sides? You know, I, <laughs> those meat pies look good, but like a side of like some like roasted asparagus would have paired perfectly with that. Um, maybe they didn't grow asparagus in that part. <laughs> oh. I don't know. So we're all just going to ignore the bear then? Oh, uh, did they did they eat the bear? <laughs> no, they they dressed Christian up in the well, bear. right, right. They well, they sewed him into that thing. Yeah, I mean, the movie kind of ignored the bear too. It just showed a bear in a cage, <laughs> and then like didn't show it again until Christian was in it at the end. So there's a payoff. <laughs> there's a bit of a payoff. I just love how they point that out. Like you see, a, and they they even say they're all it's a bear. Um, you know, the, the camera is going past a bear in a cage, and one of the characters actually says, we're just going to ignore the bear thing. <laughs> and they did. Still still better uh, payoff than what they did with the Oracle. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that went nowhere. That was, that's still my, my only gripe is what, what, like, why didn't you do a little bit more? Like, I thought they were going to expand a bit more on the Oracle and the director's cut, and they didn't. But. Yeah, I really don't understand what that what that deal was. I I with Ari Aster's movies, I always avoid trailers like The Plague. And I was remember being really pissed off that I think it was Fangoria posted a picture of that oracle on the cover of their magazine before the movie came out. And I'm like, oh shit, I just had this movie spoiled by the freaking Fango cover. No, I didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> 
just just looked like a blonde version of that guy from 300 you know the one oh yeah was, the the traitor uh leper was he or uh yeah the hunchback yeah uh so great movie just wish they did a bit more with the oracle i love midsummer and i think the director's cut is better even though it only really adds two scenes it's just deliberately slower and for me to say that makes a movie better is huge because I mean, my favorite thing about Censor was it's 84 minutes long. (laughs) Same with same with St. Maude, my favorite movie of the year so far. It's like 83 minutes. I I mean, that's you you can watch that twice in the span of one director's cut of Midsommar. I love St. Maude so much and I can't believe they're just dumping it. I'm going to take a moment. They're dumping St. Maude on Blu-ray. It hasn't really gotten a theatrical run, and it's getting like a bare-bones Blu-ray, not even getting a 4K release. It got a theatrical. It was it was at the drive-in. Like, very limited, but like... It's already... When I, when I tell people that's my favorite movie of the year, all of the festival people are like, oh, but that's from last year. That's what I'm saying. You can't say that. It's like, oh, it's not from last year because I didn't freaking see it last year, so shut the fuck up. Get out of my face. <laughs> It was released this year, you know. Played yeah, the it was released in year. January. I remember saying, is it too early to, to decide my favorite movie of the year? <laughs> and it still is my favorite movie of the year. I'm, I'm just upset that, like, there's a lot of really good movies that aren't getting 4K releases, you know? Like, yeah. uh, uh, fuck, I'm doing it again. I don't know how to pronounce that movie James Wan just did. Malignant? Malignant. There we go. Malignant. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Now I can't watch it again. Um, <laughs> Malignant's not getting a 4K release. The Nighthouse didn't get a 4K release. St. Maud's not getting a 4K release. Zola, which was one of the best looking movies of the year, not getting a 4K release. Um, how can I tell that bathroom scene who is the hot mess without seeing the toilet bowl in HD and 4K UHD? <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, it's it. I just it's ridiculous how many um, how how it at this point where we are in releasing of discs, it feels like if you're not putting it out on Blu-ray and 4K, you're just kind of dumping the movie, and that sucks because there's a lot of really good movies that really do deserve the best rele- uh, home release it can get, and I I think uh, Saint Maud is definitely one of them. I still have my Studio Canal uh, steelbook that I got at the beginning of the year or end of last year. Um, but I want a 4K release, you know? Right. End of rant. Well, yeah, back to our topic. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to mention, uh, because we also are running out of time here. In fact, we are out of time. But um, one one that I want to mention, my favorite dinner scene, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes. And the, it, it's for personal reasons it's my favorite because it's one of my favorite movies. But um, just, it, just the fact that, you know, it, it's kind of a birthday dinner more than anything else because they actually say happy birthday but then when you when they reveal what they're eating and you know it's a 45 year old movie so i'm gonna say not meatloaf again Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that that that's a that that's probably my favorite dinner scene of all time in a movie yeah and also on this and also in the stage show apparently the the jo- the joke line that they added was when they asked dr frankenfer what they're having for dinner uh Frankenfurt just says meatloaf. <laughs> well, that, that would have been added after because meatloaf. Um, well, he was in the stage show, but uh, in in the stage show, um, Eddie and Dr. Scott are the same actor. Oh, so so meatloaf played both Dr. Scott and Eddie when he was 
the actual oh when he, when he was in the stage show and i hear he was pretty upset about that they weren't doing that four picture show that they were hiring a different actor which is understandable that's you know less days you work but i think for for at least a cinematic version of it i think it works a bit better on, on the live on the stage version it's hilarious seeing them switch between the two you know and having to do the costume changes and all that well there's plenty of time between um Eddie getting killed and Dr. Scott showing up. So there's, there's lots of time to do makeup and costume. Um, I think it would, I, I, th- I like the way they did it in the movie because the guy who plays Dr. Scott is, is incredible, yeah. but I do think it's a fun visual gag for, you know, uh, yeah. if, you know, cause it's his nephew. So, you know, they, they should look alike and, <laughs> you know, plus meatloaf's doing the, the Eddie song, the um, Dr. Scott song is, I mean, Meatloaf is an incredible singer. I mean, he honestly is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, just I, like as soon as he brought up Rocky Horror, I, the revealed meal is just the <laughs> weirdest, like cheapest. Like it's like it's like they were they took like some actual like butcher meats and then they were like let's add in some stuff to make it look like it's Eddie. Let, let's put it in the leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just the silliest thing. Um, and, and, and that's why we love Rocky Horror. It's just the silliest thing. I just love it because as soon as they one by one realize what they're eating, they all kind of put their 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 uh, their utensils down and they're getting grossed out. And Rocky, the monster who, you know, was born just a few hours before, he just keeps chowing down. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't get it. And it has that great scare card, you know, the rock and roll. Dah, dah, dah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's when he finally pulls the tablecloth off because the, the meal is under the table. And oh, yeah. Eddie! Yeah. Yeah, Eddie, just, yeah. no. An electric carving knife. <laughs> it just goes to show that uh, thanks to society, we don't eat people. You know, <laughs> without society, we would eat people and not be phased by it, apparently. It is taboo. Yeah. yeah. Life's pretty cheap for those types. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this one up. So, uh, yeah, bud. Let us know what your favorite dinner scenes are. We probably missed quite a bit. Um, but that's just because there are so many of them. So l- track us down. Let us know. Uh, our theme song is by Restless Spirit. So give them a listen. And our artwork is by Chris Fisher. So check him out. Um, you can find us and let us know what your favorite dinner scenes are at uh, the Ion Horror Facebook, the Ion Horror Twitter, the Ion Horror Instagram, the Ion Horror uh, Letterbox, the Ion Horror Tinder, <laughs> the Ion Horror Grinder. What else do we have? Um, Ooh, Bumble. I think I think we're on that one too. Are we is on Bumble now? Is that a thing still? <laughs> I don't know. I'm out of the scene. Oh, are, and- are we on? We're on Meta, right? Because uh, we're going to be on that's Meta. Already, yeah. yeah, we're already pretty Meta. Also, tell us tell us your favorite breakfast and lunch scenes. What's your favorite salad date scenes? What's your what's your favorite uh, getting a coffee scene? How much of these favorite scenes is actually from Scream Queens, which gives us the best of all of the dinner scenes, including Thanksgiving with the trad rad with the Radwells, of course. Yeah. Sorry. I had to sneak in Scream Queens real quick. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> cool. All right. So, um, yeah, let us know what your favorite dinner scenes are, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. So, for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror. <laughs>